Hey babes, this is Tandem Orgasms, your go-to podcast on life coaching, owning your divine feminine power, and the far out new age world of spirituality with your hosts, Caitlin Englert and Jen Morgan. Ladies, it's time to step into a new kind of confidence, one where you stop searching for and instead claim the balance you crave. Each week, we will bring you wisdom, personal experiences, and ridiculous banter that will have you laughing while also providing you with useful tools to transform your life from blah to turn on to your climactic inner diva. Hey guys, welcome to episode 10. I'm Kate and this is Jen. (laughs) Are you with us today, Jen? Are you with us? (laughs) Her coffee has not kicked in yet. (laughs) Jen, 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 Jen. No, the coffee's not kicked in yet. I will be. I saw swans over the weekend. That was really nice. When we were like clocking, clucking, clucking, clacking, they were going. He was fucking going off this morning at 5 a.m. Annoying as hell. I'm like, my neighbor's rooster doesn't do that. Oh, yeah. Some of them are highly attuned to the times. Uh, He's like, it's morning. Get the fuck up. <laughs> dude, seriously, and the windows were open, so it was just so Dude, bad. I sometimes I get into like these like um verbally abusive like matches with my chickens. You know, I'm like, guys, get your shit together. One, your the mulch is not this is not a job, okay? This is a nuisance. You guys suck. The other day, one of them literally shat, okay? <laughs> I okay. So I have like a box and it's like a toolbox and I filled it with plants. Okay. And it's really cute. And it's like adorbs, you know, and one of the chickens like shat on one of the flowers in the toolbox planter thing covered the whole damn thing. How, first of all, just, okay. You have free reign in this yard. Why do you pick my flowers to shit in on. my food arrangement to shit on? I'm like, guys, this is not, I'm like, I'm so like, like, dude, the tarot's around the corner, like listening to this conversation. I'm like yelling at like, Richard, this is unacceptable behavior. (laughs) Why are you shitting all over my flowers? And it's like, I'm talking to a human, but I'm talking to my chickens. Like you guys need to clean up this mess. You guys have made a mess of the mulch. I'm, I'm every day I'm sweeping it up and having to put it back in the garden. Yeah. Chickens. They're just like, oh, it's a love hate relationship. Yeah. You know, you love them, you pick them up and they're cute and they're they like, give you they're eggs. Like support animals that shit everywhere. <laughs> they shit all over everything and they smell. Yeah. Yeah. Or at my house, we have bullies. We got to keep everyone separate. Yeah. We have the nice yeah. chicken. Luckily, luckily, we don't have any, um, they're not too, you know, we don't have any girls that are mean, but I've noticed actually two of them, one of them, uh, Jackson, the other one's Silver. And I'm like, you guys are picking on Mia because she's a little packed and so is Fifi. And I'm like, we don't, we are not going to tolerate this bullying in my, in my, in my house, in my land, you, there's no bullying. And so like, this is another thing too. I like have heart to heart with the chickens. I'm like, I, I, I'm like pointing at my eyes, pointing at their eyes. Like, I see you don't be picking on my other chickens. Like I'm like yelling at the chickens, like reprimanding them. Like I'm not having this here. You behave yourself. Yeah, no, we've kept our reds locked up for like over a week now because anytime we let them out, they pick on all the other kids. So 
we were thinking about maybe <laughs> getting rid of four because we have seven of them. So we were going to maybe get rid of four of them. And there's someone we know that wants them. So then with maybe three of them, yeah, it, yeah. yeah it, they'll be a little nicer. But we had one of our kids was, yeah, had like a wound too under its wing, which was kind of a weird spot. Mm. And I yeah, just happened to see it when she was cleaning herself. Yeah. So we had to put her in the hospital for a few days and we took care of her really. Oh, yeah. She's, she's like, a, she's a sweet one too. She's almost like a, they almost have like a silky temperament. Yeah. I can't remember what the breed is, but they're really, really nice. And uh, they even have oh, the like silky. No, it's not the Orbingtons. They're, um, they're like black, gray and white. And they kind of have like spotted heads. And then, um, oh, maybe like that, a Polish or something. I could probably look it up. Yeah. Um, so now that our whole podcast is about chickens, <gasps> I can start out with a story. You have a story about communication? Yeah. Oh, it just came back to me. Yay, yay. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. You go ahead. Why don't you start? Okay. So last time we started with a, a story, a Kate story. This time we're going to start with a Jen story. So a funny little, a funny little story about communication. So some of you guys may or may not know this, but um, my, my degree is in communications. It's in marketing and communications. So that's what I went to school for. Now, this funny story happened when I was in, I think, third grade. And my parents, they really enjoy this story. So they, they, they enjoy um, laughing about this one. Okay. So when I was in third grade and just regular, like when I was in school, just in general, I was like this, you know, I wanted to get good grades. I cared about stuff like that, you know. And I was always like an A, B kid, right? You know, so if I got anything lower than an A or a B, I was, you know, a little distraught with it. So I came home one day and I showed my parents my, my report card. And I don't remember this, but they tell this story to me all the time because they thought it was really special. Um, so I came home and uh, <laughs> I showed them my report card and I, I showed them that I got a C, right? And so I was crying. I was upset. I was like, I can, this is unacceptable. You know, I was pretty hard on myself as a kid. Uh, and I'm crying and I'm crying, I'm crying. And, and my kid, like, like a, a very much of a Kate, Kate from last week reference of the, uh, like, like, you know, upset, like, cry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of situation that was very common for me. I was highly dramatic. Okay. So, you know, that's probably what it looked like. Um, and so <laughs> I'm like, I gotta see, you know, and, well, it turns out that the subject was communications. And I said to my parents, I got a C in communications and I don't even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents think it's very funny that like, lo and behold, I get this C in communications. It's this huge thing. And I, and they, and they, they joke around like a lot because one, I'm, I'm really terrible at like answering my phone. So they're like, the fact that you went and you got a degree in communications and then this, you know, like that you were so distraught over getting a C in communications, not knowing what it is. And so they just, it's like one of those funny things in my family, like, you know, Jen never answers her phone. Nobody can ever reach her. She, you know, like she can't communicate yet. She, she got like her eight degree. hours to respond yeah. to your text. Yeah. And you know it. Cause like you're, yeah. you know how I am. So <laughs> like ongoing, funny, funny kind of story about communications and the fact that like I ended up getting a degree in communications yet, you know. But what is a degree in communications? Do they actually teach you how to communicate? They teach, they no, no, no. help you study human behavior. Uh, it's more of, you know, um, how to put 
a language out there and formulate it to, to uh, through the media, right? So it's more about media, like right. okay, you have your, like public relations, you're writing press releases, you have like your marketing, you're creating, you know, copy that's uh, trying to convert for a sale, right? These kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, social media. So like, um, you know, that was part of it. That actually, when I got my degree, that whole world was shifting and is really cool and exciting. The degree of communications is really um challenging and fun because there's so much growth all the time, especially with the way that we put messages out there. Like even things like podcasting, right. That wasn't a thing that was big. Um, if, if at all, when I got my degree, so the, the world of communications and and multimedia and, um, marketing, it, it shifts and morphs and it's really fun to keep up with. So it's more, more of that. than what is communications in third grade. It was uh, language writing, these kinds gotcha. of things, right? Which started you young. Yeah, but it's it's actually like, so I tell this story sometimes too to, to clients to say, sometimes the thing that you um, find the most challenging somewhere at some point in your life that creates like a limiting belief that you believe around about yourself can actually be the most empowering thing to get you to rise up and, uh, and overcome a fear and then come out the other side. So like for me, that actually was an experience. I, I don't remember that saying those specific words, but I do remember that experience. And I remember feeling mm-hmm. inadequate. And I already knew that I was struggling with communicating because I had really bad social anxiety. So like, you know, if a teacher was going to call on me in class, I, I would have like almost like an internal panic attack. I used to try to time when I would go to the bathroom because I would, I would watch how many kids that sh- the teacher would call on. This is how like, you know, my brain worked when I was young. I would wait and I would, okay, we've gone five, six, seven kids in. And I knew when she was almost about to call on me and I couldn't, and I couldn't read out loud because I would get so much anxiety. So I would Oh, I got to go to the bathroom now to try to avoid it. Like every single class I was in. So I already was struggling with communicating at that point and already had massive anxiety around communicating. And then I was a very, uh, my writing was not great either. Um, I read, actually, I was reading through my diary the other day and it was pretty hysterical because um, I like to spell things like, it's like one day I spelled basement, like B-A-S-E-M-I-N-T. And then the next day I spelled <laughs> it basement. Bassment, B-A-S-S-M-E-N-T. So, <laughs> you know, I was already struggling at that point, right? But these were challenges that I had in my life. And then lo and behold, you know, I say, okay, like I'm going to basically, d- this challenge has forced, has uh, brought me to a place of, I can be in fear of this. I can be in fear around communications or I can push myself and come out the other side. And so like when I started going to like yoga teacher training, I knew I was going to have to teach class using my voice. Right. I, I had to overcome a lot. I did modeling competitions, but a lot of them were going on stage and doing script reading. So it was like cold reads. Right. You know, these things like that's pretty intimidating and pretty scary when you're in front of a thousand people, you know. So I would push myself to do these things to overcome. And like I've written a book, you know, like these were these were not easy things for me, but they were the most rewarding because it pushed me through my fear to come out the other side. So, you know. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely felt inadequate my whole entire school career, which is probably why I landed on drugs and alcohol in 11th grade. <laughs> I was lucky to avoid that. <laughs> it was like, oh, hey, I found something I'm good at because the whole, my whole, <laughs> I know it's so messed up. 
But my whole entire school career, I struggled. I struggled, struggled, struggled with socialization, with academics. Same. I, I used to um, not go to the bathroom, but I would fake getting sick, go to the mm. nurse's office to avoid a test or a paper or anything like that. I even one time, I think I was like maybe second grade. Um, no, wait, must have been older than that. Fourth grade. And we were doing like these vocabulary, they like, you pull them from a box and I don't remember, you had to write something. And we had like a quiz on it. And I remember during recess, I said, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And I ran inside, found my quiz, found the answer key and changed all my answers because like I knew I bombed it. And I mean, yeah, I was kind of a sneaky kid too. That's pretty impressive. But I had so much anxiety and like, I knew that academics even then I was so young that they were just such a struggle for me. And uh, I now see that, that it, I had to work harder at it and that I I felt stupid my entire life, but I'm not stupid. I'm just smart. And I use a different part of my brain Mm -hmm. and school didn't stimulate that for me. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. And like what we're going to talk about today with communication, it's, um, you know, people have many different ways of communicating, just like they have many different ways of digesting um, information and, and uh, you know, being present in their world, right? So it's like, you know, school is a perfect example of like an environment where it's, you have kids that learn differently, that see the world differently. And because it's a certain box of like academics, it doesn't allow a lot of space. And then, you know, you have your, your childlike experience and you go into adulthood and you feel like the way that you see things or the way that you can communicate your world to, to someone else is maybe not right. You know, I had this conversation with my husband the other day, cause we we're, you know, we've been thinking a lot about homeschool. Do we send yeah. uh, our well, he's almost in kindergarten now, but do we send him to school? Do we homeschool? And my husband's concerned about the social piece. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, homeschool kids are weird. And I was like, that's how it used to be like 20 years ago. It's not like that anymore. There's yeah. a lot of, there's more resources now for homeschool kids to interact and get that social piece. But I said to him, social, that social piece, all it ever did was mess me up. As a kid. <laughs> right? Like here I am 30 years old, just working through all the issues that school caused me, all yeah. the low self-worth, low self-esteem, never fitting in, never good enough. Yeah. That's all I ever did for me. So that didn't build any character. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so funny too, like as I'm hearing your experience and I'm like, yeah, actually uh, that was the same. And if you look at, if you, if you look at like, so the, some of you guys don't know, me and Kate actually went to school together. It, we were in different grades, but nonetheless, we went to school together. And I'm thinking like this, how funny is this? We experience, we, our experience with school was the same. But if, if I say, okay, I'm like watching this, like I was like the nerdy kid that was like, you know, artistic and not popular. And like, you were like this kid that I like perceived, like she's got a ton of friends and she fits in and she must feel super accepted. And lo and behold, same dang experience. Right. 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 Looked a little different on the outside, but it was the same thing. And so it's a, it's very interesting to see um, what happens when we feel limited in the way that we can uh, communicate. Right. 
That's we, why you don't have, compare yourself to other people. Yeah, which is a good moral story with that. The moral of the story, don't compare yeah. because you just don't know what you're perceiving their experience to be is not their internal experience. Yeah, which is a really, really powerful thing to think about. It's like, mm-hmm. and even just having this conversation as like adults, it's like, wow, okay. So, I, you know, as a young person, you're, you're gauging your world, right? You're saying, okay, like, what are all these conclusions? You're drawing conclusions from your experience in you, it's almost like, um, I think you do, we can kind of learn our way out of this as adults, but very much in our younger years, we we're gauging everything for how will I be accepted and loved basically. So you're drawing all these conclusions about your world and saying like, okay, well, this must be this way. And this must look this way. And this must like, this is my interpretation of what I'm experiencing. And sometimes it's not that at all, but that's like, so, you know, 30, whatever, not less than 30, but years later, 15 years later, I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Okay. This interpretation that I had of my world was completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you're, you're trying to like draw all these conclusions and then you become an older person and the more conscious you become, you can separate from those interpretations and just say, I'm in my experience. I don't need to make a conclusion here. Mm -hmm. I can just be in it. Right. But anyways, with communication, I feel this journey, I guess, I don't know if it's a journey, but yeah, a journey of learning how to communicate effectively Mm -hmm. and really get the results that I desire. And that's not about controlling someone else's response, but it's about how can I make this the most effective way to openly have dialogue with this other person and have a result out of it? Maybe not the result I want, but some kind of resolution or result that we both can feel good about. Mm -hmm. And it has been a long journey, but I do feel that being a person in recovery, it's something I had to learn early, early on. Mm-hmm. Because if I didn't learn how to communicate, if I didn't learn how to have boundaries, if I didn't learn emotional regulation, all these things, it would have offset my recovery. Yeah, it could have and, been a reason to fall back in. Yeah, and as soon as I um, got into recovery, I was in school and I, I graduated and became a therapist only a few years later. That really helped me improve my communication. So and- what... What do you feel is like good communication? Oof, that is a, effective. Yeah, I mean that's, that's a, a it's a question. it's a question. I mean, I can kind of give what I I feel right. Um, because I'll 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 take it. I'll let you think about your answer because I don't want to put you on the spot. But I feel like for me, um, what I've noticed is I can gauge if I'm effectively communicating, um, f- from the moments that. I feel I want to shut down, right? I want to like say somebody triggers me, right? I think the true test of effective communication is can you be under pressure and still communicate effectively, right? So if I feel triggered and I want to go into fight or flight response, okay? Communication shuts down if I do one or the other. If I go into fight or flight, like I'll just be like, well, screw you. I'm going to peace out. I'm not having this conversation, you know, or I'm going to, I'm going to fight. I'm going to get combative and I'm going to get a little bit, you know, like I'm going to get a little bit aggressive. Right. And, and for me, what I feel is the true test of, can I communicate effectively is, 
um, and I was talking about this the other day to someone, there's a moment of hang time Mm -hmm. where I can say to myself, how do I want to handle this? And like you said, there's an outcome I'm generally looking for. And my outcome nine times out of 10 is, um, can I create, uh, can I keep an open, open, um, open feeling in my relationship with whomever I'm in? So they feel safe and I feel safe. That's the outcome I want. Right. So if I go into fight or flight response and I get aggressive or I'm saying I'm going, am I getting the outcome? I'm, am I feeling closer to that person that I'm in maybe potential conflict with? And This is a quote that I use a lot. Those of the people who, uh, you know, that listen that are have done coaching with me that they're gonna be like, Oh, this is in one of Jen's courses. And Jen said this to me that I come back to this quote a lot. And, uh, and this kind of brings in that space, okay, that you have a choice in those moments to decide if you're going to keep communicating effectively or go into a different response. Mm-hmm. So the quote is, um, and it's by Victor um, E. Frankel, and it's between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. I love that. Yes. And so reminding myself that I have this massive opportunity when somebody triggers me or I feel that there's conflict and my communication wants to shut down. I'm just like, I want to, sh- I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling a certain way and I want to shut down, but reminding myself, this is where I can grow and be receptive and still communicate. If I look for that space and I say, I have space let me make a choice. How do I want to communicate? Right. So that for me is my true test of effective communication. So to, I will answer your questions, but, or yeah. question, but first I think to, to discuss what is ineffective communication Yeah. and ineffective communication happens so often because what I see a lot and in, including myself, yeah. I, I think a lot of people, their motive is me, 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 right? It's about how like that person needs to admit they're wrong. I'm right. It's like a very self-centered response. And we're Mm -hmm. not often enough thinking about what you said, safety. How, where can I find the conflict in this or the problem in this? And where can I, um, or how can I feel safe? Yeah in this conversation. Instead, we actually, because of the self-centered response, we're creating a more unsafe experience and really just Mm -hmm. triggering the other person. Yeah. And And, yeah. And and that like your triggers trigger them. Yeah. And so the ineffective communication is your goal is to get that other person to see your side of things. Mm -hmm. And so we will do and say just about anything to do that or trigger them because, Hey, you hurt me. So now I'm going to hurt you. Yeah. And we do that without even recognizing that's what we're doing. Yeah. I had one of those moments the other day and I was like, Oh no. And I saw myself slipping, you know, like, you know, when you get, I think when you get to a certain level of consciousness, like you, you do become hyper aware of like when you start to shift back into ego and I could feel myself slipping. I was like, Oh, I'm about to say, Oh, are you going to, you going to do that? And I did. And I said, I was, I got snarky. And, uh, and then I was like, Oh no, 
that was not an, a great choice, right? It's like, oh, and that was just something to trigger the other person then. That's not effective communication. And I think a lot of people don't like conflict, right? Yeah. And so they can go a couple of ways with this, but either they will engage in the conflict out of anxiety and not knowing how to kind of take that pause, like you were saying. Um, and so they'll just, their anxiety will drive this aggressive type of behavior uh -huh. or they will retreat and yeah. they will avoid the converse and shut down completely. Yes. Those are not always, but those are typically the two responses people. Yeah. Have. So it's like basically aggressive, passive, aggressive, and completely passive. So those there's, are, yeah, there's four different types of verbal. Well, so what we're going to talk about are, I guess, two different types of communication, verbal and nonverbal, but then within that there's a, a more branches. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So under the verbal branch, there's the different, different styles of communication. So you have your passive aggressive, your passive aggressive, and then assertive. Mm -hmm. So there's four different ones. And I just explained kind of what the aggressive versus passive looks like. So the passive is basically your passive, you're, you're retreating, right? Yeah, passive is um, more retreating and just kind of internalizing. Yeah. You internalize it or you don't want to create more conflict. So avoidant kind of just back avoidant. down instead of voicing your needs or your concerns, or you just don't know how to communicate that. So mm -hmm. they just don't assert themselves mm -hmm. and they just, they struggle to express what their needs, what their feelings, what their opinions are. And they're very apologetic. Even yeah. if they did nothing wrong, they will still apologize to try to just mend the problem. And this is a lot of like that kind of um, feminine archetype uh, complex when the, when yeah. the feminine is an imbalance, it's people pleasing and backing down and sorry. Sorry, 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 sorry. Right. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I, I see that a lot. Um, and I work with people a lot that have um, recently kind of come to a place where they're like, I have created a whole world for myself or created a whole life for myself out of saying yes to things I actually meant no to and people pleasing and backing down and just keeping my mouth shut. And that can be a really hard thing to unravel, right? And then when you have to learn communication after the fact, it's very challenging. So, you know, those are some of the things that you might see if that is your communication style, that eventually you'll get to a place and say, oh my gosh, I've said yes to a million things I actually meant no to. Nothing really feels in alignment anymore. And so generally overall, right, not an effective communication style that can lead to a lot of misalignment. Mm-hmm. Right. So the next one is aggressive communication. So again, we're always communicating, right? It's just, is it effective or not? Yeah. Is it, it having a des the desired outcome that you're looking for? Yeah. So the next one is aggressive communication. And this is when this person is very dominant and they will humiliate the other person. They will criticize them. They will blame them. They will attack them. They will be very typically loud, yelling, overbearing. And the goal of that is to basically make that other person passive and not stand up for themselves. So it's a way to shut it down. It's a way to shut it down and control, right? So this would usually be somebody yes. who is, feels confident when they are in control. 
And when they are not in control, they would feel insecure. Therefore, they will try to do anything to get control back. Mm-hmm. Right? What's the yeah. next style? The next one's passive aggressive, which Woo! passive aggressive people. This is the most common one, especially yeah, yeah. amongst women. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. Yes. Guilty as charged. I think I, we talked about this last week where like, you know, for me, because I can, when I slip out of, and you know, this is very much a uh, conversation too about, okay, being in balance versus, okay, what is being in balance? You can be in a communication style and still be in balance and mindful, right? Or you could slip into a style that's like not, not all that effective communication, right? So it's like, I, when I'm out of balance, when I'm out of alignment, my inclination is to going into a passive aggressive state, right? But like I talked about last week is like, I recognize this about myself that if, if, if I'm feeling a little bit uh, attacked or if I'm feeling whatever, I'm going to go into that place. And so I call it out and I, and I own it. I kind of flip it and say, Hey, I recognize I'm being passive aggressive right now. And I'm going to say a snarky comment you know, or after the fact, I'm like, I'm sorry, that was passive aggressive. That was, that's not how I want to represent myself. Right. Yeah. So their communication style is very, it can be sarcastic or come across sarcastic, but it's like this subtle anger. So it's not going to be as aggressive as the other one that we just talked about, Mm -hmm. but it's gonna, you're, the person's going to appear almost passive, right? Like they might be quiet Um, or more reserved, or their body language is like very closed off, or you could tell they're angry, and then just wait for the right, the right moment, and they will make their little sarcastic comment, or their aggression, and then you twist it, and you're like, Oh, sorry, I didn't do that. Yeah, or they'll appear (laughs) cooperative, but they're purposely doing things to annoy or disrupt their environment or that other person. Mm hmm. It's like very, um, very almost like sneaky or a way to get attention. And it's really, again, this one comes back to control as well. It's that they feel out of control, but they're not going to yell and belittle someone else, but they're going to do it in a very subtle way. So they're still doing it, but it's very subtle. And our goal is to, or the passive aggressive communicator's goal is to get that other person again attention or to get them to change but all I've ever noticed is that it creates more conflict and really just makes the other person very angry or shut down well I think it can the other person like being being uh, turning into now they're being either aggressive or completely passive so in my experience being passive aggressive to someone will either make them completely shut down Mm-hmm. right? They become passive or they get more aggressive, right? Yeah. It's almost like pushing somebody else into one of the other boxes and never has a very good outcome, right? Yeah. But- so it's like that the person that says, oh, well, we'll use the, from the example from last week, hanging the picture in the yeah. hallway when we were talking about relationships, you know, it's like, oh, honey, yeah, that looks really nice. But then later on, you're like, yeah, well, if you would have done it six months ago, it wouldn't have looked like that. You know, yeah. something like making your comments later on or like under your breath. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying it's like wrong to think these things. I, I think these things I've learned to um, what you were saying with that quote, 
to take that pause. And I, I honestly sometimes had to physically like bite my cheek to like a physical reminder to not make that comment because I so badly want to, but I know that all it's going to do is just blow up. And do I really want that? Yeah. Right. Like, what am I really looking for? What well, What are my needs that aren't being met? Yeah. And right. that's what you're it is. It's to communicate. You're com- wanting to communicate because you're looking for an outcome, and that taking that action is not going to have the outcome that you're desiring. And so, well, it's like, a way to avoid being vulnerable. Yeah. Right. It's a way. But yeah. But yeah. This is what in I mean. those Moments. What you're actually probably looking for, and I'm speaking from like myself and what I know to be true. What you're actually looking for in those moments is a vulnerable connection for you and the other person. Absolutely. Because you want openness, you want closeness, and you want a container to help you guys grow. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to that quote, between st- stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In the response lies our growth and our freedom. For me, I value growth more than just about anything, right? So if I make that passive aggressive comment, how am I how am I creating a space for growth? And that's why even if I didn't catch myself before I did it, I will catch myself after and I will call myself out and say, "Whoa, that is not creating a space for growth. That was not me coming from a place that is uh caring about your safety or mine." Or feeling safe and secure. So let me just tell you, okay, that was bad on me. Right? Right. So, so the last one is assertive, which is the most effective way of communicating with someone, yeah. but also one of the hardest to, to achieve. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of using I statements and not making blameful statements towards the other person, like what they did wrong, but stating, you know, how the situation made you feel and communicating in a respectful way, right? Like that this person that you're talking to is also a person. And so they have stuff they want to say, and they deserve to be heard just like you want to be heard. So as hard as it can be to listen because you don't agree with what they're saying, an assertive person will listen with an open mind and without interrupting and just kind of, again, not necessarily agreeing, but being open to hearing what that person has to say. And it's recognizing that you don't have to, you don't have to shift your belief system or your foundation of what you um, value Right. But it's seeing the other person's perspective and considering and respecting it. I actually read in this magazine about the difference between affirmations and validations in relationships. Hmm. And an affirmation is agreeing with what that other person's saying. So if someone, if your partner says to you, you know, I really feel like we haven't been spending a lot of time together or I want to spend more time together if the other person's like, well, what do you mean? We watched a movie together last night or, um, well, you know, we're just really busy right now. That's one of those closed door moments that we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Instead, if that, if that person does agree with it, then they will affirm their partner and they can say, you're right. I miss you too. I'd like to spend more time together. Yeah. If they don't agree, then you can still validate your partner and you can say, you know, I hear that you do want to spend more time together. Yeah. So you're not necessarily agreeing with it, but you're validating what they said 
Yes. So there's differences and there's a right time for a validation. And then there's other times for just an affirmation. Um, but if you just shut that person down, then again, there's those closed door moments and you're not going to be able to connect with each other. And so that's what an assertive person does. They feel connected to their partners and they try to find ways to connect through communication. Yeah. And just, I want to bring a a little like coaching kind of like a takeaway tool for, for everyone. So in, in that scenario that you just gave, um, this is something that we do in the coaching world with our clients. Like any coach most likely does this when you're coaching, you want to help somebody to open up and dig deeper. Right. And so sometimes what we'll do is a a client will say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. And this is, you know, this is, was the scenario. Right. And then we say, okay, I hear that you're feeling this way. Right. We do, we do these things. Oh, I, I see that the situation was this way and it made you feel, can you tell me more? So you're almost using that, what you're, you can do this with a partner or anyone that you feel, you know, just you want to effectively communicate with is like you said, taking, taking that, that chunk of what they said, I hear that you're saying this, I know that you feel this way and it kind of validates them. And then you can help them create that open space to dig more. So it's taking literally what they've said and then putting it back as the first part of the sentence. And then you can add your, your, whatever you want to say or add to the end of that makes people feel very heard and seen because they're like, Oh, they understood this person understood what I was saying. They heard me because they reiterated it back or literally said it in the same way. And then you can add, it makes people feel very heard and under, and we do it with coaching sometimes. Like if you're, you know, uh, very um, like to the books, life coach or any type of coach, we, we will do this. We'll take what you have said. We'll re uh, kind of return it to you. Right. Reframe so it. that reframe it. And then we will add to it. Hey, let's dig more into this. That can be really effective communication tactic for anybody coaching, not coaching in a relationship with a partner. You have a friend. It doesn't matter. You, you can help people feel heard, understood, seen by doing that. Yeah. So one of the, and we're going to just kind of, we'll probably need another podcast to go into depth about the love languages, but we're going to kind of go over them today. So, and that is one of the verbal love languages is words of affirmation, Mm -hmm. right? So similar to what you're saying. doesn't know what the love languages are, because if this is a new concept to them entirely, and mostly most people do know the general concept of the love languages, but how would you uh, summarize what they are, I guess. So yeah, we each have a love language. There's uh, five different ones and we each have one. So what they are is there are ways that we, it's basically a channel of communication or expression of how we show love to other people. Yeah. And and how we like to receive love. Yes. Okay. I feel like that's a pretty good synopsis. I think it's, it's, um, what you value to what you value out of a partner and what you're, you're able to provide for someone, uh, um, in your, in your wheelhouse, right. Cause you can learn how to do others, but what's in your most in your wheelhouse. Okay. Yeah. So sometimes conflict arises when we, and we, some people don't realize this when our love language isn't being met, Mm -hmm. 
So if we can bring some awareness to what our language is and what we desire and then how we express it, it can help us gain some acceptance around it or communicate that with our partner. Yes. Yep. So let's go into nonverbal. You want to start with that? No. (laughs) I got you. So the rest of the love languages are pretty much nonverbal. So I'll just run through them real quick. So the first one we just talked about is words of affirmation. That's obviously a verbal one. The rest of them are quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Mm -hmm. So quality time is really about just you enjoy spending time with your partner. Yeah, being, being with them. Or with anyone, really, this same with friends, with your kids, if if that could be your number one love language, you don't need anything else. You don't need gifts on holidays. You don't need any of that. You know, that's how you would feel appreciated and how you would also want to show up for people. Yeah. Well, you can could be. Yeah, it could be a little bit different. You can have a love language that you show people like if mine's uh the acts of service, right? So like going out of my way to help someone with something. Um, and that's how I like to show up for people being there for them. But maybe receiving gifts is how I like to be shown that I'm loved. So you can have love language of how you express your appreciation, love, affection to others. And then you can also have different love languages that are what you, uh, want to receive, from other people. Yeah. So it could be the same across the board, but it can also differ. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So quality time is just really enjoying spending time with whoever you like spending time with. So receiving gifts, I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I know some people think that sounds materialistic, but for some people, there is this attachment to if you buy me flowers or you go out of your way to get a present for me that that's an act of being thoughtful, right? Like you thought of me ahead of time to go out of your way to do this for me. And it's a physical reminder that's tangible that you can touch like this, you know, could be people who are very tactile learners too. You know, it's like they can see the thing, they have the thing, you know, it's a physical reminder of that um, person caring for you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then acts of service. So that one is, I kind of just touched on it a little bit, but going out of your way to do things for people. So I'll just give an example. Um, You know, if I'm feeling really overwhelmed at home and my husband goes out of his way to, you know what, I'm going to take care of the kids tonight, or I'm going to go outside and I'm going to handle the chickens in the yard and do that. Acts of service to say, hey, like, I see you. I see that you're overwhelmed and I'm going to show that I love you and take care of you um, by doing these things. Mm -hmm. And now that kind of looks different for each relationship. Um, Yeah, well, it it would be being mindful enough to see, you know, some of those things that the other person um, would appreciate you stepping in on or you accomplishing, you know, to show them. Like for me, it's like I'm the primary cleaner, you know, so – Every once in a while, if I'm really busy with stuff, like, like it's the dishes are always the last thing, mm-hmm. right? So it's like, what, like that, like doing the dishes. I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. I appreciate you, you know? Yes. 
Yeah. And I was going to say something as simple as just like mopping the floors or doing yeah. this. Yeah. Which is a little bit personalized, right? It's like, you, you know how this person operates a little bit. So it's being mindful of um, their behaviors and knowing when you can kind of step in mm-hmm. and, and sometimes it's, it's totally like other things, you know, like, it's like, oh, I made you this, um, you know, thing in the yard, <laughs> like a patio. <laughs> this is like yeah. my normal life. Like, it's like, oh, I've, I've made this outside. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, cool. You know, it's like, oh, I know you like to sit outside in the morning. So they're not, nah, I made this world for you to do this. Yeah, that's an know? act of service. Exactly. And the last one is physical touch. So this could be as simple as coming home and, you know, you give your partner a hug, mm-hmm. you know, you put your hand on their lap, you say, you know, put your hand on their shoulder. Hey, how was your day? Like letting that know that you see them, that mm-hmm. you hear them, that you recognize them. And yeah. so obviously physical touch comes in a variety of ways for each yeah. person, but some people really enjoy that physical touch, whether that's giving it or receiving it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to touch on anything about that one? I mean, I think physical touch can be relatively straightforward, but I think, um, again, it's, it's knowing, knowing what the other person, what works for them, you know, it's kind of being observant and, and that takes a little bit of like, um, watching someone's body language too, you know, like seeing how they respond, what they respond to, because especially if it's not someone's love language, um, that can feel a little bit foreign to someone. Right. So it's like, if my, if my partner likes physical touch and that's not one of my love languages, that can feel a little bit confusing to me. Um, but if you, if you, if you watch somebody's body language, you can see what they're responding to. And really at that point, then it's just doing more of what they've responded positively to. Like I, um, there was something I took back a while ago. And um, I think a lot of time uh, there in relationships, people do struggle with this physical, um, physical touch aspect, right? One person may be more affectionate, the other person's not. Um, And so you want your partner to be more affected, you know, affectionate. And um, I get a lot of people that work with me that are struggling with this. And I really like that there was this other coach um, that I was following for a while and she called it the Christmas tree theory. And so what ideally to, to help the other person understand what it is that you are uh, looking for out of a physical connection, you want to, when they do something you like, almost be like overly excited about it. Like, oh my God, that feels so good. Oh, I love, you know, it lighting up like a Christmas tree to, to it, you're, you're really creating um, a positive, uh, positive reinforcement for that person to do more of those things. So I kind of liked, I, I kind of liked that. Um, to, it, it kind of brings a nice visual. So when it comes to that physical touch, that is a, um, a way to help somebody um, be able to understand that if that's not in their normal wheelhouse. Cause I, I see a lot of couples struggle with that specifically. So you want your person to communicate more in a nonverbal way that's physical touch, but that's not their wheelhouse Christmas tree light it up. Like, Oh my gosh, that felt so good when you did blank. Right. Oh, I loved when you did this, like get excited about it, get jazzed about it. And then they'll want to do it more because probably that other person has a different communication style. It might be world words of affirmation, mm-hmm. right. 
or one of the other ones. And so really being kind of um, lit up about that can, can help. Cause I see, I see that struggle a lot. Yeah. So I recommend everyone to, whether you're in a relationship with a partner or not to get this book, it's the five love languages by Gary Chapman. And it's super easy. Like you could just, it's not one you'd read straight through. You'd probably just kind of gloss at a chapter or kind of see what stands out to you, but it would be really helpful if you are in a relationship to look at this together. So then you can each understand your own personal love language, but also understand your partners as well. And that your partner may not always be able to meet your love language or your needs all the time, but is there a way that you guys can communicate and open up that, that channel where you are finding ways to meet each other's needs? And then that's when, that's when those verbal communications, right? Having effective verbal communication can help because again, you, you might not have the same love language as your partner and you might struggle, you know, sometimes, um, showing up for them in the way that they need you to show up. And so when then you can create a safe, open container for your partner to express what it is that is going on with them verbally, that that's going to make for a really effective, um, relationship. And I also wanted to just add there, you can take a, a love languages quiz online. So if you want to find out what your love language type is, I highly suggest getting the book too. But if you want to just start somewhere, um, taking a quiz online, you can literally just Google like the five love languages and kind of take a quiz. And I also think it's really helpful to, um, it, it, you know, if you have uh, other people under your roof, children or anything like that, you know, you you have people that you're in um, uh, frequent, uh, you know, communication with to just understand and kind of watch their behaviors and see what they respond to as well. Cause kids can, you know, like they just need a hug. Okay. We have somebody who just needs a hug or my kid needs a lot of validation so that they're building their confidence, right? These things can apply to not just your partners, anyone that you are in, um, in communication with anyone, literally, you know, it, it can help you to be more mindful um, of them and care for them greater. Yeah, absolutely. And so the last couple things just with nonverbal communication to pay attention to is your tone yeah. when you're talking to your partner and your facial expressions and your body language, mm-hmm. because that will, if you're like closed off or tense or, you know, look angry or have an angry tone in your voice, that will change. It doesn't matter what you're saying because mm-hmm. that will change the dynamic of how that conversation is going to go. Because yes. if your partner's feeling that energy and reading it wrong um, or reading it right, then that is not going to be effective or help you achieve the outcome that you desire from that conversation. Yeah. And that is another thing, you know, like, okay, this is something you can, you can search online, like what kind of tactics, um, body language wise can be stuff you can use, but just to give you guys a few, just quick examples, crossing your arms, that's pretty aggressive. Don't do it. Okay. (laughs) And also uh, one of the things that we've done is I notice if somebody is, um, proximity wise, not close to me, I perceive that they are upset. And also I've noticed this is another one for you guys to try, you know, um, 
if somebody's sit, sitting far, far away from me, I feel distance and that makes me feel uncomfortable. Right. So that's, that's a, a kind of a, and then, you know, whatever the body's doing, I'm going to add into that. But here's another thing is sitting relatively close to each other, facing each other where one person's not higher or lower to the other person. Right. Because your, 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 your interpretation of that person being up a little bit higher than you might be like, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? It's like intimidating, right? So you want to be on the almost physically on the same plane with someone and in closer, closer proximity with open, the more open that you are with your physical body, the more it shows that you're receptive, the more you close in towards your center line of your body, the more you show that you're not being receptive. Okay. And just like, um, and, or the more that you are positioned, like your body is actually facing the other person shows them that, that you are receiving what they have to say. If you're positioning your body facing away, like I'm thinking, like if you look at somebody's knees, if their knees are facing close to your knees in the same direction as yours, that is, that's showing that you're being receptive. If your body is actually facing away, meaning like your knees would be facing away to, up from that person, that shows that you're not being receptive. You're closing off. Okay. And if there's, if they're talking to you and you're rolling your eyes or shaking your head or looking the other way or looking annoyed, then you're not, yeah. you're not listening. You're not being open and they're going to read that the way they should read it. And it's not, they're going to, that's going to trigger them. Yeah. Um, I, we should probably do a whole nother podcast on listening guys, because uh, yes. I will say just as a last note on this, um, what's that, what's the quote? It's like half of, half of being a active communicator is, is the skill of listening. And I think we notoriously struggle with this, uh, societally because we, we've been kind of geared towards this, uh, the quick win we want instant gratification and, and quick, quick, quick and pause is hard for a lot of people and listening requires pause. So know that your, your effective communication relies a lot on your ability to listen to someone. So can you listen? Are you constantly interjecting as me and Kate do to each other on this podcast? Let me interrupt. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I have a thought. I got to share my thought. Yeah. 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 Exactly. But obviously this is the time and the place where we can do that. In your relationship, that might not be an effective skill. Um, I am very, I, I like when I get, cause I am a Gemini. So communication is like my thing. It's my, it's the way into my heart. It's the way I interact with my world. And so I'll get jazzed up about something and I will just like, I want to get, I want to get in there, you know? And so I have to really make note in those moments when I do that, because it does, it is because I'm passionate. It is because I'm excited. It is because I want to share and be close to someone through, through verbal communication. I have to very often say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I just totally interrupted you or like, I'm about to interrupt right now. Let me, let me preface, you know, but listening is a hard skill to develop and it, and it takes a lot of time and practice. So start you know, just listen. Oh, I hear you. Okay. Keep listening. Okay. You know, you can give those validations, those affirmations in between, but just to show the person that you're, you don't look at them like a deer in the headlights. Nobody loves that. Uh, but 
actively listen. I'm with you. I hear you. I see you. I feel you. So the challenge for the week, try one thing differently than what you normally do. Mm -hmm. So whether that's pausing and not responding, Mm -hmm. whether that is not saying your passive aggressive comment, whether that's turning your knees in towards that person instead of away. Mm -hmm. Um, So bring some awareness to it, but challenge yourself to, and maybe writing it out might be helpful or thinking about some of your own patterns and behaviors first. So then you know where to bring awareness to as you go throughout your week, Mm -hmm. but try to do one thing different this week and just see how it goes, right? Like you can make this kind of fun or make it a game in your head. Like I'm going to challenge myself and just see Does this change how I feel communicating with my partner? Does this change their response to how I'm reacting or not reacting? Mm -hmm. So we're going to leave you guys with that. And then we'd love to hear your feedback. If you thought that was, or if you think this episode was helpful or what you challenged yourself to do and how it went. Yeah. How did it go? And you can post on either of our Instagram pages under the podcast And uh, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. I have nothing to add to that. Or we'll (laughs) see you next week. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes. Don't forget to follow us at Jen underscore Morgan and Caitlin dot Englert dot coaching for updates. If you love this episode, take a screenshot and share to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us until next time. Have fun and don't forget to pleasure yourself. 